Today is Monday, April the 17th, 2023, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, I break down the 2023 Garnet and Black Spring Game as the Black takes down the Garnet squad in a thrilling overtime contest by a final score of 19 to 17, guys. Tons of takeaways from all the action over the weekend. I give my full thoughts on everything that took place. Also, we will name our TSUS Garnet and Black Spring Game MVP, and I'll talk my biggest question marks for Gamecocks football heading into the offseason and the summer, if you will. Also, guys, a thrilling weekend on the diamond as, unfortunately, South Carolina drops two of three games to the Vanderbilt Commodores, losing both on Saturday and Sunday. I'll give my full thoughts. We'll also hand out the weekly ooh-ooh series MVP award. We'll talk slap dick of the weekend, who's hot, who's not, and what's next for Mark Kingston's club as they look to bounce back. Also, tons of listener questions and reactions to everything that happened over the weekend. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Monday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Prize picks. Go down the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works. You pick two to six players and you can win it to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks optimizers or mass multi-entry guys it's literally just you against the projection they also allow mixed sports entry so for example you can take the over on LeBron partly with the under on Mahomes guys you can play college sports pro sports literally anything and everything you can think of they have got it over at price picks they also have a slick easy to use mobile app both on the App Store and Google Play, and the rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, so many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So again, go down to the Prize Picks app, go to prizepicks.com, and when you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I reminded myself many times over the last week or so that spring games should be taken with a grain of salt. I had many tell me that they quote-unquote do not matter. And as I sit here on this Monday, and I'm just glancing at my notes for this show I've got a list a page long of takeaways and thoughts from Saturday night's game, which tells me just one thing, something that I already knew, but it sort of reinforces it, if you will, that for the diehards, which many of us, if not all of us are, it all matters. It's all important. And any time the Garnet and Black take the field, there's something to talk about. There's something to break down. It's what we love to do. And here we are. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, your host of the Spurs Up show, as always. Very excited to be chatting with you all here this Monday, kicking off a big week. We are rocking. We are rolling the normal schedule this week. Podcast, of course, today and Thursday. The Daily Crow rolling all week long, noon to two, Monday through Friday on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And, of course, guys, we will have tons to discuss all week long. Again, guys, hope this show does find you well. No matter where you are, what you're doing, hope you had a fantastic weekend. I'm sure you did. All of those who went to Williams-Brice Stadium and packed it out, kudos and congratulations to you all for setting a spring game attendance record. More on that in just a second, but truly was a great weekend to be a Gamecock. And again, really excited, guys, to break everything down today that happened over the weekend. Let me first off, guys, start by expressing gratitude and saying thank you to each and every single one of you, specifically those of you who tune into the podcast on a consistent basis. Had a big meeting on Friday afternoon. I did mention this. If you listen to the Daily Crow, you've already heard this news once, but I do want to share with you all here on the podcast airwaves. We have renewed our contract, our agreement, if you will, with our podcast host, Blue Wire. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, many of you, I'm sure you listen to this show, you hear the ads that are inserted in this show, right? They are not ad reads by yours truly. They are ads from national brands such as, I don't know, Geico, Coors Light. We've had Shane Beamer talking ads, talking Coca-Cola, I think, one time on here before. You're thinking, how in the world did the Spurs Up show get that partnership, get that ad 
It's because of our good friends over at Blue Wire who have helped us acquire national partnership and partnerships with national brands, if you will. Well, again, guys, had a meeting with them late last week. They said, Chris, we love the engagement. We love the download numbers. We love what you're doing. We love your ideas for the future, and we want to keep this thing going. So again, guys, it's a huge thing for the business. It's been a game changer ever since it happened, damn near a year ago to the date. And so I want to say Thank you all so much, sincerely, guys. When you tune in, when you engage, when you listen, when you interact on social media, of course, when you buy merchandise, but every little thing, those little things or maybe things you think are little or small, they add up and they become big things. And it makes a huge difference in the growth of TSUS and the growth of the business and everything that we are able to do here, right? And it's a big reason why, hey, we're able to keep content free. We don't have to put anything behind a paywall, right? The only thing we have, the big cock club, they are value ads and they are extras. I will never, ever, ever put the live show, put the podcast, anything like that behind any sort of paywall, if you will. One of the big reasons is because of this partnership with Blue Wire. Now, let me also say this. I mention this because the agreement that we have is sort of being restructured in a way that Blue Wire is restructuring how they monetize their creators. So let me explain and what I need from you guys. Don't change anything. Tune to the podcast, basically. The only thing is this. What stands out is listener retention, Right, And it's on yours truly to make sure this podcast, this show is engaging and entertaining from start to finish. So all that I ask of you is tune in as normal and enjoy the content. But again, listener retention is a very big deal. So I'm going to make sure we have things from start to finish that keep you guys engaged, keep you all entertained. But uh, maybe just keep that in the back of your mind when you're listening. Hey, let me listen to this show the whole way through. But like I said, guys, that's on me to keep you guys entertained and keep you all locked in. But again, the bottom line is this. We have renewed that partnership with Blue Wire and very excited to continue to be a part of the Blue Wire network of podcasts. Again, it's been a huge game changer of business since we signed on with them about a year ago to the date. And uh, glad to see it continue and really, really excited for what's to come in the future. And just wanted to say thank Thank you all, especially those of you who tune to the podcast on a consistent basis. Also, guys, a really exciting week because Thursday, the TSUS Spring Tour continues as we embark to Fort Mill, South Carolina. Really excited to get back to Fort Mill. I know many Gamecocks that were there last time. You guys will show up and show out. Of course, we'll have the Beamer Ball to the Moon Tour shirts on sale, we'll have the Beamer Ball towels, the koozies. We'll have koozies to give away. We'll do a Q&A, and it'll also serve as a watch party for the baseball game on Thursday night as the Gamecocks take on the Florida Gators at 7.30. Going to be a lot of fun as we all tune to that game together. Looking forward to it. And uh, just two stops left in the spring tour as we close this thing out this Thursday in Fort Mill. And then next Thursday, of course, in Myrtle Beach. So again, guys, thank y'all so much, like I said, for the love we felt on the TSUS Spring Tour, especially last week in Somerville. We had a fantastic crowd. I would say the best crowd we've had thus far on the Spring Tour has been a lot of fun. I want to shout out two people specifically, Dave Garrick. I want to shout out my guy, Dave. He's helped me out with sound, with the microphone, with the entire audio setup we've taken on tour. And also, Jocelyn Scahill, which you probably recognize that name, if you will. Jocelyn has helped us with some of our best-selling pieces of all time in regards to merch. She was there on Thursday night 
helping me set up the merch stand and selling merchandise and all that good stuff. Promotion took pictures as well. So thank you, Jocelyn. Thank you, Dave. And thank you all those who showed up to Carolina Alehouse, Somerville specifically. But looking forward to getting out there back to Fort Mill and then closing out next week in Myrtle Beach. And again, thank you to Carolina Alehouse for the opportunity. We'll be at that, of course, Carolina Alehouse location in Fort Mill and Myrtle Beach next week. All of the details are on social media. So again, guys, thank y'all so much and really, truly just grateful for the opportunity to uh, embark on the tour in the spring and certainly to be so, do something that uh, we will do in the summer as well, just like we did last year. With that being said, let's go ahead and dive into everything. And of course, we are going to start with what took place on Saturday night at williams Bryce Stadium as the Black takes down the Garnet 19-17 in a double overtime victory in the 2023 Garnet and Black spring game. Now, before we get into everything that happened on the field, as was expected, and I don't know why this has necessarily become a thing, because guys, when you really think about it, how many people show up to your spring game? It's cool. Don't get me wrong. It is cool. And I think it shows, you know, just how much your fans really care about football and how dedicated they are and how diehard they are, if you will. But it's really not the end-all, be-all. Certainly, it doesn't trounce or doesn't overshadow your victories against your arrival on the field just a couple months prior. But spring game attendance between South Carolina and Clemsucks, it has become a thing, most certainly, after last year and then carrying into this year. And then you got Mark Ryan and the Upstate stirring the pot, stirring the pot with the attendance stuff, right? It's become a thing. So, as expected, early on in the day Saturday, this became a talking point when Clem Sucks announced their attendance of 50,000 strong at Memorial Stadium, which I'm sure wasn't some just made-up BS number that they just kind of spitballed. I'm sure that it was 50,000 even. Exactly 50,000 on the nose. Mm-hmm, right. That sounds really convenient. Either way, whatever. So it started with that. And so we're thinking to ourselves, okay, how many of the Gamecocks going to put in Williams-Brice Stadium tonight? And it's funny, guys, because as I talked about at the top of the show, right, when your team's playing, if the Garnet and Black are on the field, it doesn't matter if it's a spring game, if it's a scrimmage, if it's a real game of the national title, it matters. And so I think that same logic applies in this scenario, like anytime South Carolina and Clem Sucks are both participating in an activity, it doesn't matter what that activity is, how big or small, who has the upper hand in said activity, who does better in that activity, who is more proficient, or who just simply has more people in their stadium for a spring game, it matters. The bottom line is this. You want to beat your rival no matter what it is. And it really, truly does speak to the bitterness and the hatred and really, honestly, guys, the beauty of the rivalry. Because that's what college sports is about. That's what I think you have in the college ranks that you really don't get at the pros. I mean, yes, Red Sox, Yankees, and there's a couple of NFL rivalries for sure in the NBA, whatever. But like rivalries, I would say, is like one of the big things. If you listed the top things that make college football specifically great, 
It is rivalries like South Carolina, Clemson sucks, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Florida State, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to start with Gamecock football. And they were so smart to do this. Let me first say that, guys, because I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. I don't care how pissed off people get, but let's clear the air. And I'm sure you'll all agree. Both the numbers posted by Clemson sucks and the Gamecock football Twitter account, both of these numbers were, dare I say, fabricated, right? Like, nobody's there counting attendance. They're not taking tickets. I highly doubt that everybody that's at the gate, will say, is counting up, and they're all doing the math and adding up the numbers. Well, I got this many came through my gate, and this many came through my gate, and this is this many, and that's that many. And they're putting out an exact, accurate number. So... I say all that to say this, because early in the day Saturday, I thought to myself, okay, Clem Sucks has said 50,000. Why not just say you've got 50,001? Just to be funny, right? Because we all recall what happened last year when, per Steve Fink, you had like 20,619, and that number was way off. Like, there's no way that number was accurate, right? There's no way. There's no way. So, Kudos and a tip of the cap to Gamecock football. They understood the assignment. Clem Sucks announced 50,000 earlier in the day, and Gamecock football so conveniently about an hour into the spring game announces 51,000. <laughs> and I just thought that was incredible. I, I thought that was perfect. I mean, listen, guys, it's a rivalry. It's for jabbing back and forth. And like, the bottom line is this, you had a great crowd, whether it was 42,000 or 45,000 or it was 55,000, whatever. South Carolina, Gamecock Nation, shout out to you all that were in Williams-Brice Stadium on Saturday night. Again, that was a fantastic crowd, and I think certainly Gamecock Nation made a positive impact and certainly a great impression, especially on the recruits that were in attendance, which is really all that matters in regards to the spring game and why it's so important for fans to show up and show out, if you will. But Gamecock football, you understood the assignment. Kudos, congratulations. That was absolutely incre incredible. It was laugh out loud funny. It was just damn downright hilarious. And uh, the, the banter and the madness that ensued all weekend long, I mean, do you really expect anything less? Right? Do you really expect anything less when you get South Carolina and Clem Sucks fans involved and then yours truly gets going and Mark Ryan gets going and you got other people that get going? And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was genuinely a lot of fun. It felt somewhat like 1% like a real college football Saturday. And that's what rivalries are all about. The back and forth, the trolling, the jabbing. Great job by the Gamecock football Twitter account. And a great job by Gamecock Nation, by the way. Just again, to show up, show out, was a great environment and a great crowd. That being said, let's get to what happened on the field, but I had to start with that. Uh, offensively, we knew that one of the big storylines, certainly uh, over the last few months, coming into the spring game and going into the season, it's Dabble Loggins and the offense. And what's the offense going to look like? And guys, Dabble Loggins... Uh, made the made the comments late last week. It was going to be vanilla, vanilla ice cream, right? Going to be really boring. You know it's going to be boring. I know it's going to be boring. We all know it's going to be boring. And the big question's been, what is the offense going to look like from Dabble Loggins? And I will say this. Now, I'll preface everything I'm about to say and all these comments. 
nothing I'm saying, guys, are really like hard conclusions. They are literally just thoughts and takeaways from what we saw on the field. So I'm not concluding anything about Dowell Loggins' offense from what I saw on Saturday night. But I will say this, for all the comments that Dowell Loggins made about how vanilla it was going to be, I thought at least early on, I thought they were pretty aggressive in regards to pushing the ball down the field. They took more deep shots than I expected. Granted, they didn't really connect on hardly any of them at all, but I thought they took some deep shots. They were a little bit more aggressive than I expected. I really, truly thought it was just going to be dinking and dunking all night and swing passes and runs up the gut, if you will, and screens. But I thought you saw a bit of an aggressive nature in the play calling. Now, that very first drive with Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, and what I would say was the number one offense. I know give or take a couple of guys, right, because of the way they divided the teams. But that first drive that was the best drive of the ball game, that looked very similar, in my opinion, to what we saw on the field when the Gamecocks beat down Tennessee and Clem Sucks. And guys, it's like we've been talking for the last couple of months. I don't think you're going to see South Carolina necessarily reinvent the offense under Dowell Loggins. Like, I don't think they're going to reinvent the wheel. You're not going from running the option to the air raid, if you will. They're going to take things they did really well last year. They're going to bring those into this year. Dowell Loggins is going to have his own wrinkle, and I'm sure that Shane Beamer and company and all the other offensive coaches, they're going to have their input, and they're going to add as well. But I think it's going to be pretty similar in regards to, you know, the spread, a little bit of up-tempo, aggressiveness, and they're just going to go out there and let their guys play. So I thought all in all, the the little bit that we saw, and again, it's, it's just a small chunk. It's just a small piece. You cannot draw any sort of conclusions in regards to what the offensive scheme is going to look like or the play calling or what have you. But I think so far, so good, right? I don't think there's anything you see in that game that you leave and you say, oh my God, that's a concern from the offensive play calling side of things or Dowell Loggins was doing this too much or that too much. I think all in all, it was solid. Again, what I saw them do was focus on letting their playmakers make plays and taking things that worked well late last season and just sort of carrying those things over. But again, we will not really know about the scheme, the play calling, just how good it is until you see the Gamecocks Take on somebody else, UNC, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Florida, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, if you will. Guys, speaking of the first-team offense, Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, I mean, I'll keep it short and sweet. Thought it was pretty status quo for those guys. You know, I thought Spencer Rattler, you saw what you hoped to see and what you thought you would see. A guy that is comfortable, he was crisp. I mean, the ball looks great coming out of his hand. He looks confident. And I think he is definitely primed to play his best season of his college career and certainly, I think, have a much more consistent season than he had a season ago. Now, you saw some misses in the passing game, and I think that's just because there are some new pieces on the offensive side. Also, you had a makeshift offensive line, may have thrown off the timing. It's all about timing for these quarterbacks and these offenses, and I think you'll get the summer and preseason camp for him to gel and get more acquainted, even more acquainted to these new weapons he's got on the offensive side. And then, of course, guys, I mean, Juice Wells, and really that connection between Rattler and Wells, of course, they had the big, what, 50, 55-yard connection um I I think it just really showed and we already knew it's going to be one of the best connections in the SEC if not all of college football I mean really truly Juice Wells there's a reason right when I gave my top 10 Gamecocks going in the season last week I had Juice Wells one 
and Spencer Rattler too. And it's not a knock on Rattler, but I really think Juice Wells is that good. He is that dude. He's one of the best playmakers, I think, in the SEC. Again, if not college football. And that duo between Rattler and Wells, that connection is going to be so much fun to watch. And you saw just a little bit of that in that spring game. And again, guys, you look at Juice Wells' numbers, and it's just a spring game. But two catches for 89 yards. He had a touchdown, and of course, that long of 55 coming from Spencer Rattler. Well, Rattler hitting like 20 yards down the field, and Juice Wells used his speed, his athleticism to really do the rest. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that this season. Sticking with the wide receiver position, I mentioned some of the new weapons and pieces and Spencer Rattler and the timing and the chemistry. Eddie Lewis was something I really did not expect, and we had heard good things that Lewis was having a good spring, the transfer from Memphis, but it looks like right now, guys, and maybe I'm reading into it a little bit too much, it looks like right now that Eddie Lewis is wide receiver too because he was targeted a lot on Saturday night. And again, maybe that's just because of the team he was on, or maybe they were doing that for a specific reason, and it doesn't mean anything because you got other guys like Xavier Leggett, like Amargan Brown, of course, the carry-on joiner who spent most of the night, if not all the night, at running back. He could factor in as well. But Eddie Lewis, the Memphis transfer, somebody they were high on, and you've heard he's had a good spring. They targeted him a bunch. So I definitely think it looks like he is going to be a factor in the passing game and somebody Rattler's going to go to early and often. It'll just be all about getting that chemistry going. But I will say, too, with that being said, to add on to this whole wide receiver two thing is that Eddie Lewis, who is wide receiver two? Who's the other guy, right? Who's the, who's the second punch, if you will, from Juice Wells? Is it a wide receiver? Is it a tight end, which we're going to get into in just a second? Going to be very interesting to see who steps up in that room as we get closer to the 2023 season. Speaking of the tight ends and the tight end room, guys, I mean, it goes without saying the tight end room is so massively improved. I don't think that's an overreaction. I don't think that's you know, uh, too bold of a take. I mean, when you look at the bodies they brought in between Trey Knox, Joshua Simon, of course, Knox coming from Arkansas, Joshua Simon coming over from Western Kentucky, Connor Cox, who's a talented freshman, Elskness, the Florida transfer, who has got crazy size. And the list goes on and on and on, and especially Trey Knox, guys. I mean, a, 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 and I tweeted this during the game, and it really wasn't meant to be a slight, but it may have come off as one that I think you know, we were all so excited this time last year for Austin Stogner and what he was going to do for South Carolina. And, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't work out, right? I mean, didn't really have the speed, I think, to compete in the SEC and be, be a big-time, break, uh, you know, game-breaker or playmaker, if you will. But you look at Trey Knox. I, I think Trey Knox is going to be this year what we hoped Austin Stogner was going to be last year. I mean, you look at the combination of size, of speed. I mean, this is a massive human being. And I thought Rattler and Knox showed great chemistry in that spring game. He's already looks to, you know, appears to be one of his favorite targets. I think he is going to be a big time guy for you. Joshua Simon, you know, looks to have that athleticism, maybe even more so like a Jaheim Bell. I think he's going to fill the role very nicely. And then again, you've got depth. And we saw last year how much they utilize the tight ends. Dabble Loggins, I think, will utilize the tight ends as well. When you get those tight ends involved, it takes a lot of pressure off your quarterback, off your offense, and you're really able to get things going and just add another weapon that the defense has to take account for. The tight end room, guys, you know, you lost Nate Atkins, Jaheim Bell gone, Trey Kenyon gone. You know, you had nobody. They completely flipped the tight end room, and I think it's gone from – 
you know, a mystery, an uncertainty, dare I say, a a a, de- a deficiency to a strength. I mean, no doubt, and maybe one of the best rooms on this football team with Knox, Simon, Cock, Elsness, et cetera, et cetera, if you will. So many quality bodies in that room, and certainly they made a big impact in that game on Saturday night. Let's move into the running back position. A lot to talk about on the offensive side. Uh, you know, we know running back is one of the big questions going into this season. Mario Anderson, the Newberry transfer, and Kevion Joyner. I thought they both flashed at running back. You know, to me, Mario Anderson looks more like a true RB1, right? Which makes sense. I mean, he's been RB1 at Newberry for the last, what, three years or so. He's played that position a ton. Of course, it's at the D2 level, but you can tell, hey, this guy has been around the block. He's played running back and had a lot of success. I thought on Joyner did some nice things. I mean, certainly, guys, we know what Dak can do with the ball in his hands. I thought he saw, I, th- I thought he showed some shiftiness, some explosiveness, some agility that maybe I did not expect or did not think he had at that position specifically, that shiftiness, if you will. And I think both these guys can help you. However, I will say this. I, I come away from the spring game even more certain that the Gamecocks need to go into the portal and find a proven power five running back. Also did not mention Juju McDowell. I feel like Juju's just Juju, and he's going to be a solid player for you, but I still just don't see him as that bell cow running back, if you will. So I don't know who's available, who's out there. Of course, guys, the portal's open for the next six days or so, five days, something like that. Or actually, excuse me, it's actually open until April the 30th, so scratch that. It's open until the end of the month, so we've got more time. I don't know who's out there. But I do think that needs to be a priority, and I will be very, very surprised if South Carolina does not go get someone out of the transfer portal. Because, again, Anderson has potential. You know, you like the Kevion Joyner as an athlete. Juju McDowell, bit of a scat back. But I just – I still don't feel comfortable right now or confident. I just honestly did not see enough from anybody to tell me, oh, the running back position is in great hands because of – X player. And I think even guys, even if you disagree with me, I think we can all agree that for competitive purposes, you need to go get somebody who's proven at this level who can push that room and push everyone to get better because iron sharpens iron. So expect the Gamecocks to be aggressive in the portal and try to land a proven power five ball carrier. I think that will be the move for South Carolina. Moving back to the quarterback position, and I've gone this long, guys. I'm sure many of you are saying, Chris, what about Lenoris Sellers? I mean, we talked about it last week, right? If you if you don't have a quarterback come out of the spring game, if you don't have a quarterback controversy, if you will, coming out of your spring game, did you even have a successful spring game? And I'm not saying we have a controversy, obviously, because I don't think we do. Everybody knows... Spencer Rattler is QB1 of this football team. But how can you not be excited and extremely encouraged by what you saw from the Norris Sellers on Saturday night? And I'll say this. Maybe the proclamations of he should be QB2 or he's no doubt going to be QB1 going into 2024. Maybe those are premature. Right, Maybe those are too bold of a take, if you will. And I'm going to follow this up, by the way, with a bold take. I think you guys probably know where I'm going with this. But maybe those things are are drawing too hard of conclusions. But I will say this at minimum about Lenora Sellers, what stands true in my eyes, getting a glimpse of him for the first time. And I know many folks that are tuned in 
our South Florence folks, my guy Bruin Nation on Twitter. Shout out Bruin Nation if you're tuning into the podcast. Appreciate you. This dude has been preaching Lenoris Sellers for months. I mean, the Lenoris Sellers fan club is for real. And I think now we all see why. This dude just has a combination of speed, of size, of agility, the arm strength. I mean, guys, some of the throws he made on the run, one of the throws that was an absolute dime that because two receivers or one receiver one in the running the wrong route and two receivers almost collide, whatever. I mean, the arm strength, the accuracy he showed, and what felt like somewhat of an it factor, I'm very hesitant to say it factor because it was a spring game, right? Let's see him against the Georgias, the Tennessees, the A&Ms on the road, the SEC, right? The grind of this league, this conference, the challenge it presents. But at minimum, like I said, guys, this kid, in my opinion, he showed he's got that raw talent and that ability and that skill set to be a big-time quarterback at South Carolina. To me, guys, he looked like, hear me out, too, he looked like a bigger-bodied Savelle Newton. Like, to a degree. Probably a stronger arm as well. And no knock on Savelle, because Savelle is our dude, friend of the show. But he reminded me, sort of, the way he was moving around the pocket, throwing on the run, like a Savelle Newton. And he could be even better. Now, with that being said, and I certainly think Lenora Sellers is going to play a big part in the quarterback battle next year. I mean, with that type of ability and talent, you're bringing in these offensive line guys, these offensive line uh, signees, if you will, the great wall of Carolina, as they're being called, right? You could have something really, really special with Lenora Sellers behind center. With that being said, it takes me into the rest of the quarterback room. And what does it look like? And guys, I said at the top of the show, all of this, you know, there's no hard conclusions. There's no overreactions. I'm going to give you my spring game hot take and my spring game overreaction because I could not believe, and he's a friend of the show, by the way, love the kid, right? He's a Gamecock through and through, but you got to call what you see on the field as you see it. And my spring game hot take and potentially an overreaction, I just don't see how Luke Doty goes into this season as the second string quarterback because he looked absolutely abysmal. I mean, he looked terrible. He looked lost, right? And Shane Beamer said in the postgame, you know, receivers are dropping balls, what have you. Guys, I mean, I know that Luke Doty has experience, and I've been someone that I've vouched for Luke Doty. I have stood beside Luke Doty. 2021, hey, I was there saying, hey, Luke Doty's doing fine. He's doing okay. He doesn't have help. He's playing on a bum foot, et cetera, et cetera, like making all the excuses in the world. And then, of course, last year, Spencer Rattler comes in, and he doesn't play a ton. And when he did play, he did some good things. And so you think, okay, Luke Doty, like he's still right there. Like he's going to push Rattler a little bit. He's still a factor in this quarterback race. And then you watch him on Saturday night, and maybe he just had an off night, right? Like, I hate to write the guy off because of the spring game, but to me, guys, like, he didn't look any better than when he first stepped foot on campus. And, like, it just shocked me how poorly he looked, how poorly he played. Now, I know what people are going to say. Chris, he had the green jersey on. Lenora Sellers didn't have the green jersey on. I feel like what this almost is is a battle between South Florence and Myrtle Beach and people from each parts of those states. Because if you go to Myrtle Beach, which I'll be there next week, Myrtle Beach Gamecocks, my God, they love Luke Doty. And South Florence Gamecocks, 
Holy smokes, they love Lenora Seller. So maybe there's somewhat of a battle of that, each city being loyal to their guy. But I'm just telling you what I saw on the field. I I, I just, I, I and, I, and the good news is we're probably not going to see QB2 knock on wood, right? We don't want to see QB2. We don't think we're going to see QB2 take many snaps this season. But I, I, I just, guys, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how Luke Doty goes in this season as QB two. I, I mean, the way he looked, not accurate with the football. I, I, I thought he, he looked confused in the pocket. He didn't know where to go with the football. And again, it's a spring game mismatch offensive line. You can't take a lot from what the offensive line did and which receivers is he throwing to and all that. But I, I think most of this fan base has sold their stock on Luke Doty ever being the starting quarterback at South Carolina, ever really, truly being the guy leading this program. And I think I'm ready as well. I think I'm ready after what I saw, and that's my spring game overreaction. I'm making it very clear. This is an overreaction. This is a hot take, my spring game hot take. But my hot take is Luke Doty's not going to be QB2 going to the fall. I, I think he will be surpassed. I think Luke Doty might have even been pressing on Saturday night because he knows that a guy <clears throat> like Lenoris Sellers is hot on his heels and, and is about to take his job. So we'll see what happens. I, I know that you know Shane Beamer and company are still really high on the kid, and I'm not trying to beat up on him. I know he's a Gamecock through and through, guys, so I'm sure some people tuned in are getting in their feelings about this, but I just don't know how you can watch that, and we all watch the same thing. And you can sit there and say, Luke Doty is undoubtedly this team's second best quarterback. I, I just don't know how you can sit there and say that. Anyways, moving forward, we'll have tons to discuss about that, especially think of how interesting this combo is going to be this time next year when there is no Spencer Rattler and we really have to find out who QB1 is and Dante Reno comes in the mix. And with that being said, guys, the portal's open. I, I would expect... And it's hard to predict too, but I, you got to think at least one quarterback in that room hits the portal because there's a bunch of guys that ain't going to play. Right? There's a bunch of guys that ain't going to play. So we shall see if anybody makes a move. But uh, the quarterback battle for sure in the future, next year specifically, going to be really, really, really interesting, no doubt. Uh, on the offensive line, guys, not a lot to talk about. You know, you hate to see Jalen Nichols go down. They're going to reevaluate his status, I think, today. Hopefully, he's okay and it's nothing long term. But it's it's just really tough to evaluate them when you've got so many guys missing and, and it's a bit of a makeshift line. You know, continuity and, and having the same five guys together, it's such a big deal, right? It's such a big deal for those five guys to mesh and and sort of gel, sort of click. And you just didn't have that in the spring game. So I, I don't want to draw any conclusions about them. Certainly, you know, the run push or lack thereof was not a lot of fun to watch. It was not a lot of fun to watch to see your guys get beat off the edge. And I mean, get whipped off the edge like they did. But I, I think that might be even almost the hardest position to evaluate in the spring game. Uh, just because so many guys are playing with so many different guys they don't normally play with, your starting five are not together. And I think it's so important that you have that starting five and that unit together. And that's when you're going to see really, truly what you have on the offensive line. But certainly, you know, running the football, we all know that is a question mark going in this season, no doubt. Moving to the defensive side of the football, I want to start with Jalon Kilgore, defensive back. I think he's going to be a special talent, guys. I thought he had a great spring game, and you look at, uh, you know, I, I think you compare him to a guy like J.C. Horn and what he did as a true freshman. I think Kilgore could have that type of season, a freshman 
all SEC season, if you will. He looked really special flying around out there, and I think he will continue to carry the torch as a fantastic defensive back under Torian Gray. You look up front on the defensive side, Elijah Davis. What a game by him. Brian Thomas Jr., both those guys really shined up front. And certainly you continue to plug the holes on the defensive front, the front seven. Tonkin Hemingway didn't play in this game. You didn't see a lot of Boogie Huntley, if you will. But I thought Davis and Thomas for sure were two guys that fans left talking about. And they will be two guys that looks like that could be big-time players for you up front. At the linebacker position, you know, we talked about the youngsters. And that's what the spring game is for, right? The youngsters are shine. Huff Howard, I think he's going to see a ton of playing time this fall. He's an absolute monster. Looks great in the garnet and black. Was flying around, making plays. Stone Blanton as well at the linebacker position. I think you take those guys, you add back in Mo Kaba. If he's close to 100% or at 100%, I think the linebacker position could actually be improved this season. We'll see how much of an improvement, but I definitely think they could take a step forward. Uh, and then guys finding the defense, the secondary. I, I think it just simply put, it looks to be a strength yet again, right? You've got Nick Eamon-Wari and DQ Smith in the back end. I think there'll be, you know, we all know about E-Man and what he does, but DQ Smith, I think it's a very, very nice safety position, the very, very nice back half of your defense, I should say, that you have back there. And then your corners, right? There's going to be questions. Anytime you lose guys like Cam Smith, Darius Rush, I think you'd be foolish to say, well, there's just going to be no drop-off at all and it's nothing to worry about. I mean, of course it will be, right? That's a pair of NFL guys. But Marcellus Dial, O'Donnell Fortune, who I thought looked really good in the spring game. And again, you factor in, you factor in Torian Gray, right? And just his reputation with DBs and what he's done at South Carolina with what he inherited. I think he's honestly, guys, earned the benefit of the doubt that the secondary will be solid. Once again, it may take a little bit to get going, right? A bunch of new guys trying to mesh, trying to gel, and that's certainly a challenge early in the season with some of these offenses you're going to face. But I don't think the secondary is necessarily going to be a liability, if you will, that maybe some were concerned it might be because of the guys that you did lose. So secondary looked to be a strength, and I thought the defense as a whole, I thought they played a solid night, certainly in a 19-17 to 17 game. You know, defense had some big plays. They made the big pick six, of course, being one of them. On the special team side of things, guys, I mean, nothing really to take away Kai Kroger's no doubt our starting punter. Mitch Jeter actually missed a kick, which I think that was the first time he's ever missed a kick in a recorded game setting in Garnet and Black. But everybody looked good. Um, Eddie Lewis, I thought one thing stood out. He could be a special teams weapon. He was back there fielding punts, and that's something that we have heard during spring ball that Eddie Lewis could be a guy that they utilize on special teams. So going to be really interesting to see. Of course, we think of Beamer ball. We think of block punts. Uh, we think of what you do on kickoffs. We think of fakes, whatever, fake punts. But uh, return game. Return game is a huge, huge part of that. And so getting a guy, maybe an Eddie Lewis, could be that next big return dude. Uh, and, and certainly, guys, we've seen how special teams can flip games. Maybe Eddie Lewis is one of those big-time playmakers in the special teams facet would be huge for South Carolina. My final takeaway, guys, in the spring game is this. And, and, and he posted a video. He was at the spring game, of course, Saturday night. He posted a video middle of the day yesterday of him walking out of the tunnel and walking onto the field. And, and that is Nicholas Harbor, who I got so many questions about where is Nicholas Harbor? Why is he not on the roster? And I, I'm thinking to myself, do people really not know that he's not enrolled yet? Like, it seems crazy to me 
that people, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too diehard of a diehard because I, you know, we all know this program inside and out. Who's there? Who's not? Who's visiting? Who's doing what? Who's scratching their butt? Who's studying for just? I mean, they're doing it. We practically know it at this point, right? I mean, we follow this thing day in, day out. We live it. We breathe it. We sleep it. We drink it. We eat it. What have you? Anyways, Nicholas Harbor will not be enrolling until what? Middle of summer, late summer, whatever it is, right? The summertime. So he's not on campus yet. But watching that game and watching the offense specifically, which is what Nicholas Harbor is going to play. And I don't want to put too much pressure on a true freshman because he's making an adjustment. Can he catch the football? That's what a lot of you ask me. Can he catch the football, Chris? I know he's fast. Can he run routes? Can he catch the football? I'll tell you this. From what I saw on Saturday night, I'm not going to predict stats or numbers or how many snaps, but... I think Nick Harbor is going to have an opportunity to make a big, and I mean a big time early impact because you've got questions at wide receiver too, and you're always looking to add weapons on the offensive side. And I am sure that Spencer Rattler is very excited to throw to a guy that has the type of size and speed that this guy has. So watching that, watching that offense and who you have available. I do think Nicholas Harbor is going to get an opportunity, and I could see him shooting up the depth chart the second he steps foot on campus and we get in the fall camp. And I think certainly his role in the football team, that is going to be one of the biggest storylines for the Gamecocks this season and before the season even begins. So, guys, all in all, a great spring game. Tons to take away. Certainly a lot to talk about from a game that, quote-unquote, does not matter, right? It always matters, especially for us diehards. Guys, let's move into the TSUS Garnet and Black Spring Game MVP. And I wanted to go a little bit outside of the box with this one. You think of the MVP, who scored the touchdowns, the offensive guys. I'm going to give my MVP to Brian Thomas Jr. Off the edge, six tackles, two sacks, and three tackles for loss. Of course, guys, the edge position has been one we have been talking about for months now in regards to who's going to replace these guys you've lost. Of course, Jordan Strawn's back, but outside of that, you know, Terrell Dawkins maybe, but who are these guys who are going to step up? Brian Thomas Jr. exploded on the scene on Saturday night, and Shane Beamer had mentioned him as one of many guys who just flat out needed to emerge and needed to play better and needed to become bigger playmakers on the defensive side, Brian Thomas Jr. Again, six tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss. I think he certainly showed promise that he can be a big-time guy for you and can at least alleviate some of that worry and concern in regards to the edge position. So again, our MVP, Brian Thomas Jr. Finally, guys, let's get into now that spring ball has concluded, we enter into the quote-unquote offseason if you will, which there's never an off-season for us in regards to content, in regards to talking season, and breaking all this stuff down. But certainly, this is the off-season. Spring ball behind us. Fall camp is way, way down the road. Even SEC media days feels like it is forever away. So now we turn our attention to what is the biggest question mark for this team heading into the summer? I'm going to talk offense. I'm going to talk defense. Let's start with the offensive side, my biggest question mark for this team heading in the summer, very simply, guys, it is the running back position. Because when I look at this offense, I don't think they're going to have tons of problems 
throwing the football. I mean, you do need to find a second guy behind Juice Wells. But I think there are plenty of capable bodies where you feel like somebody's going to step up out of Eddie Lewis, out of Xavier Leggett, out of the carry-on joiner if you slide him back there, uh, you know, out of out of Landon Sampson, out of Amarian Brown. I mean, you've got plenty of quality bodies that I think that will provide. And then you look at the tight end position as well, right? I didn't even mention them. But you look at all those guys, they're going to provide enough support to Juice Wells. Then, of course, Nick Harbour coming in. I think you're going to be able to throw the football. Can you run it? Can you have any sort of balance? And, of course, it comes down to the offensive line, opening holes. But I just don't know how you come out of that spring game not telling yourself, we need a proven running back. We need a proven RB1 because we don't have one. We don't have an RB1 right now. What it looks like, Mario, and this is not a slight, but self-awareness is a characteristic that you need to have in life. You won't get very far if you don't have it. Mario Anderson to Kebrion Joyner, Juju McDowell, DJ Twitty, you know, um, Turbo Miller, right? All nice players. They are all supporting cast members. That's what they are. You need your star. You need your lead. And I don't think you have that right now. So the biggest question running back, how can that be answered? Going in the portal and getting a proven power five guy. I would say right now, guys, if you didn't go get a guy, hey, you could probably make it work. You could probably manage. But... I'm not going to feel very confident. I'm going to feel a bit uneasy going the season if you don't address that position because I think it is a position of need. So my biggest question mark on the offensive side, running back, because again, it all really comes back to can South Carolina run the football? And I know so many of you, Chris, you sound like a broken record. Stop. Talk. I'm going to keep doing it. Line of scrimmage, that's what wins. Beamer knows that. Run the ball, stop the run. You've got to be able to run the football. And you need a quality running back to go do it. I'm not sure the Gamecocks have that right now. Moving to the defensive side. My biggest question mark on the Gamecocks defense heading the summer. Shocker, it's the edge position. Even with Brian Thomas Jr.'s fantastic outing, I I just still think that is yet again another position of need. Running the ball. Hey, what's the other side? Stopping the run. Something Carolina did not do a very good job of last season. And they haven't really done a good job of the entire Shane Beamer era, going to the portal, finding a couple of cable guys. Of course, they've had some dudes on official visits or visits, if you will. One of the guys, you know, we all know from Florida State. So they are active in the portal. And I expect the Gamecocks will be active in the portal for all of their needs and more. So going out there, finding another edge guy, finding some guys that can rush the quarterback. That's what it's all about. And of course, some guys that can plug the run game as well. So it's really all about line of scrimmage. I think this program and this team feels pretty good about its skill position players. Would I like to see them add another receiver for sure? Um, maybe another DB, maybe another linebacker, if you will. But, you know, finding a running back on the offensive side, finding an edge on the defensive side and stopping the run, I think those are the biggest question marks for the offense and the defense, respectively. And I think those will be the top priorities in addressing as we get closer to the season. So guys, that's going to wrap it up for my spring game breakdown. Would love to hear all of your thoughts. How do you feel after the Garnet and Black spring? Does it change your expectations at all for the 2023 football season? And I'll say this, not to spoil too much, because as we go into the summer, guys, of course, in July, right before SEC media days, I will lock in my predictions. 
nothing that I saw in the spring game really changes my mind about how I feel about this upcoming football season. I mean, you, you truly do take it with a grain of salt in a game that does not count. And there's so many different moving pieces and there's so many different guys playing and they're mixing and they're matching and they're doing this, they're doing that. And the, some of the situations they're in, they're holding back the playbook, right? Vanilla ice cream, if you will. So you don't, you certainly don't draw conclusions, but there's nothing that stood out to me that says, oh my gosh, this team is going to be so much worse than I expected or oh my gosh, this team is going to be so much better than I expected, which I think is the right take. I I think if you're going extreme one way or the other, I think you're grasping at straws, and I I think you're setting yourself up for for some sort of heartache, right? Drawing hard conclusions from a game that, I mean, the coaches will tell you, just flat out doesn't count and as vanilla to what they will actually do in the regular season. So again, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that, guys. Gamecocks football, it's always fun to talk about. Let's move from the grid... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Iron to the diamond as South Carolina dropped two of three this weekend to the Vanderbilt Commodores, the first series loss of the 2023 season as South Carolina falls to 30-6 and overall on this season. You look at the SEC record. The SEC record, let me get it pulled up here, is now, again, 30-6 and overall SEC record of 10-4. and South Carolina sits a half game out of second place. Vanderbilt in first in the SEC East at 13 and 2. Florida at second, 11 and 4. Of course, of course, the Gamecocks will take on Florida this weekend in a massive series. And then there is Carolina at 10 and 4. Kentucky at 10 and 5. And then the bottom of the East, Mizzou 5 and 10. Tennessee at 5 and 10 in conference play. And then Georgia at 4 and 11. But you look at this series, guys. Let me say this. I, I, I said this on social media. And I will say it yet again. I'm not going to overreact. I I simply put, am not going to overreact, right? I know that's the that's the the sexy thing to do. That's the hot thing to do, right? Lose your mind, go crazy, and certainly losing is not fun. 
Nobody condones losing, and you certainly don't want to see it become a trend. But you go on the road in the SEC. You take on the fourth-ranked team in all of college baseball. The, the most disappointing part of the weekend is you looked so good in game one and were not able to win one of the next two. But with that being said, it's hard to go on the road and take two of three. There's a reason a guy like Ray Tanner, a legend, used to say, hey, you go on the road in the SEC, especially when you're facing a top-10 team, just don't get swept. If you just don't get swept, you're fine. You keep your head above water, right? You keep your head above water. It's those sweeps that really turn the tide of your season. It's those sweeps that really either throw you off course or elevate you in conference play. Those are the real daggers one way or the other. So, it's unfortunate you couldn't take advantage and win the series, but guys, I mean, you got to tip the cap somewhat to Vandy. And I know what you know, people get so tired of hearing tip the cap, but when you're taking on the fourth ranked team in college baseball, like I, I feel like it's fair. When you're saying tip your cap to Presbyterian or USC Upstate or Charleston Southern or a team that's not very good in the non conference, well, that's one thing, right? That gets really annoying. But when you're taking on Vandy, and we knew. They have one of the best bullpens in the entire SEC, one of the best pitching staffs. We knew that. And you know, and you knew that even after you won 14-6 to on Friday night, that a Tim Corbin coach team was not going to quit. They were not going to go away, especially not on their home field. And, I mean, they just shoved it up your ass the last 17 innings. That's just flat out it. That's just flat out it. They shoved it up your ass the last 17 innings. And I thought what really stood out, guys, you know, maybe this weekend, not all bad comes from losing, right? You prefer not to lose. But you learn nothing when you win. You learn when you lose, right? You learn when you lose. So losing can be a positive. Just like failure in life can be a positive, right? You learn nothing when you win and you succeed, when things are going well, when you run into adversity and you lose, things don't go well, that's when you learn. That's when you can make adjustments. And so I think South Carolina learned something about themselves this week, and it's that the defense is not where it needs to be. Defensively, this team, guys, I don't know what the numbers are now. I have to look them up. But going into game two, the announcers made the point, South Carolina had the third most errors of any team in the SEC. And games two and three certainly didn't help anything to help that cause. Right, You look back over the weekend, Gamecocks had two errors on Friday. They had four errors on Saturday and two more on Sunday. So what are those totals? Four, eight errors over the weekend, guys. Eight errors, you're lucky you didn't get swept. You really are. Eight errors over the weekend. Those type of little mistakes, those type of mistakes, giving a team like Vandy extra outs and extra opportunities – it's just not going to bode well for you. I mean, it just flat out isn't. It just flat out isn't. And it's something that's got to be corrected. It's got to be cleaned up, right? Hey, after this weekend, not to pick on it, but call it for what it is. Baseball is a game where, you know what? Your mess-ups, your screw-ups, they're documented. They're right there for everybody to see. They're written down. Hey, guy like Talmadge Leekroy. You got to look yourself in the mirror, man. Three errors in the game on Saturday. He had another error in the game on Sunday. 
So what, four errors? Excuse me, he had five errors on the weekend alone. Talmadge Leekroy did. Got to be better. He knows it. We know it. Kingston knows it. They all know it. He's got to be better. Bottom line, he's got to be better. Bats went cold the last 17 innings. Again, you tip your cat to Vandy and what they did. Uh, you know, you, you thought going into that game Saturday, you know, you knock Carter Holton out two-thirds of an inning. You score four runs in that in that top of the first. You're thinking to yourself, South Carolina's going to cruise to victory yet again. And I also want to point out this. Many of you listening, you're probably not on Twitter, but a lot of you probably are. And so I'll say this. A lot of people, or at least some people, will look at me and blame me because after the first inning on Saturday, I was talking shit. Hey, are the Vandy boys overrated? Like, what's going on? We're kicking their ass. And things did not go well from that point moving forward in the Saturday game. And even Sunday, some people were still coming at me on Sunday. This is your fault. It's your fault we lost. It's your fault we lost the series. Guys, I'm going to say this right here, right now. Number one, if I did have the power to control who wins and loses, do you actually think I would make the Gamecocks lose? When it comes to selling merch and when it comes to business, winning is better for business than losing. I can assure you, I have the data to prove it. If you saw the numbers from the two-week stretch of beating Tennessee and Clemsocks in football, your brain would explode how much merchandise we sold. So rest assured, winning better than losing for business. That's my first point. My second point is this. We are fans of a team that is now 30-6, and six, even after this weekend. 30-6, and 10-4 and four in the SEC. We've got a true freshman that might be the best player in college baseball. We're having our best season since I don't even know when. We're being projected as a top eight national seed, and we're still in a great position to be a top eight national seed, and we're still going to be in the top 10 when the rankings drop today. Guys, I will not apologize for being a cocky son of a bitch this year. We have a good team. It's okay to be confident. It's okay to be cocky. Nothing you or I or anybody says on Twitter or social media dictates what a team does. Nobody does. I played the game of baseball. I understand jinxes. But I'm also not the one throwing the pitch, and I'm not the one swinging the bat, and I'm not the one fielding. Okay, so I will not apologize for that tweet I put out on Saturday. I'll double down on it. I will do it again. I will talk shit again. Our mascot's name is literally cocky. And I can tell you guys this, South Carolina, these types of things have been happening to them long before you or I existed. The chicken curse existed, if you want to take it to that level, long before any of us were even born. 1984, Navy ring a bell? I, I wasn't even born yet. You probably weren't born either. So don't blame me when shit hits the fan in Gamecock land. It just happens that way. But we got a, we got a good ball club. Don't blame anybody for being cocky, for being arrogant, for being talking a little shit every now and then. It's sports. If you can't talk crap when you're good, then what's the point of being a fan? What are you supposed to do? Be scared the entire season until you hopefully win the national championship? Then you can celebrate? Come on, man. That's just not how I operate. So anyways, anyways, to get off that soapbox, um, you know, a, a rough weekend, a tough weekend, a weekend you're disappointed with, but on the road against a top 10 team, Bandy's a good team, guys, and uh, you got to clean up the defense for sure. Uh, bats have got to be more consistent. It felt a little too much Feaster famine with a homer, but you give credit to Vandy's pitching staff. So, guys, 
I would just say this, short, sweet to the point, don't overreact. It's baseball. You were not going to win every series. You just flat out weren't. I, I know we all wanted to believe that, but you weren't going to win every single weekend series. Now, the big key is this. How do you bounce back, right? Because you've got Florida at home this weekend, right? At Founders Park, the same way that Vandy protected their home field, and was tough as nails on their home field, you got to be that to the Gators. A really quality ball club and a ball club that sits ahead of you right now in the SEC East. More on that in just a second. Guys, let's move into our Oot Oot Series MVP award. It was tough to pick an MVP, honestly, just because, you know, Saturday and Sunday, nobody really popped off. But Cole Messina, he gets the award this week. Three for nine, hit 333 on the weekend. Two home runs, both coming in that first game. Four RBI for him. And I also thought he had a solid weekend behind the dish. Vandy ran a bit here and there. But I thought all in all, they held that Vandy running game in check. So Cole Messina, our Oot Oot Series MVP award winner for his performance against Vandy. Let's move into slap big of the weekend. And guys, I've got the Vandy Whistler down here because I feel like when you play Vanderbilt in baseball, you have to list him. But something else I did not mention. One of the other reasons it's hard to win on the road in the SEC, home cooking is a real thing. And some of the calls on Saturday, the momentum-changing calls, you know, they were big time. I mean, they were big time. Some of those calls, I think it'd be foolish to think they were not big time. And, uh, you know, big time impact changers, big time game changers, and they were. And they were. So, slap dicks of the weekend, co-slap dicks, maybe the umpires. We can throw them in there. But the slap dick of the weekend, I mean, it's got, it's got to be the Vandy Whistler, man. I mean, that dude, he is relentless. He is nonstop. And I can see how if he's on your side, right? Like if the Vandy Whistler was a Gamecock, you know, just like we have, ooh, ooh, like we love it, right? And we'd hate it if it wasn't ours. So if it was the Gamecock Whistler, we'd probably love it. But my God, when you go to their place and if we play them in Hoover and you just got to sit there and listen to that, shh, 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 it's like, oh my God, somebody just let me take the long nap right now because I can't stand to listen to that Vanny Whistler no more. Anyways, the Vanny Whistler. Somebody let him know. Slap big of the weekend. Let's move into who's hot, who's not, who's hot, guys. Got to give it to Ethan Petrie. Three for 10 on the weekend, hit 300, one homer, three RBI, but most importantly, he breaks the freshman single season record for home runs with 18. Justin Smoke, who's my all-time favorite Gamecock, right? He originally held the record with 17. Here's the kicker. It took Smoke 66 games to hit 17. Ethan Petrie's got 18 in 36 games. All due respect to Christian Walker, to JBJ, to Justin Smoke. I mean, the list goes on and on. Ethan Petrie's the best freshman this program's ever seen. I mean, really, like this freshman season, I I don't know how there's another that compares. I I mean, Christian Walker's freshman season was really good, especially because he helped lead South Carolina to the promised land. But my goodness, I mean, what Petrie's doing just sheerly from a number standpoint is out of this world. We've never seen anything like it. Let's get into who's not. Gavin Costas, man. I mean, the guy can't buy a hit right now. He was somebody we talked a lot about going on the weekend against his former club. 
He goes one for 11. Did have one RBI, but one for 11. Just two strikeouts, but he has just, I mean, he's been cold for weeks. The guy cannot buy a hit right now. Definitely somebody they need to get going. What's next for South Carolina? They return to action tomorrow night in the midweek against Charleston Southern. And then this weekend, another huge series against the Gators team. Probably going to be ranked in the top three. They were third this past weekend and took two of three against Georgia. So I'd imagine they'll be second or third coming to Founders Park Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Thursday night's game's actually on ESPNU. So the country will be watching. And uh, just a huge opportunity, guys. Again, you know, you, you don't, the last thing you want to do is lose back to back SEC series, especially when you've got the Gators on your home field. So this is a really, really big one. You need to take care of your business. And it's going to be a great battle, man. It really reminds you of the early 2010s when these two teams would just constantly go back and forth against each other. Going to be a lot of fun to watch all weekend long. So a big week for Gamecocks baseball. Should be a couple of good games. Really going to enjoy it. And uh, especially looking forward to Thursday, watching that game with you guys at Carolina Alehouse Fort Mill. With that being said, guys, we'd love to hear your thoughts. How you let me know your thoughts and reactions to what happened over the weekend for the Yardcocks. That being said, let's get into your thoughts with our listener questions. We'll start. We got two voicemails, then your questions, then we'll wrap this thing up. Let's start with the voicemails. John Edward, cannot wait to see you, John Edward, at Carolina Alehouse Fort Mill on Thursday night. I appreciate you calling in. Uh, great voicemail. Uh, I mean, again, I agree with all your thoughts. I echo what you said. You know, certainly it is a spring game. You don't want to draw hard conclusions, but at the same time, there's there's clues you can pick up. It was somebody from twenty four seven Sports that said this. You can't draw conclusions, but you can get clues of what your football team might look like. So I definitely think we learned some clues for sure. Spencer Rattler looked good. Like I mentioned, Eddie Lewis, could he be wide receiver too? Totally agree with you. And uh, Luke Doty, the struggles he had at quarterback, certainly something I know a lot of Gamecock fans were talking about as we left that game on Saturday night. Let's get to our last voicemail here. Here we go. Good morning, guys. Uh, hey, Chris. I was just wondering, guys, how do you think that the loss in game two of this series versus Vanderbilt will affect Okay, thank you for the call, my friend. He asked, you know, how how will losing to Vandy affect our ranking? You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if South Carolina didn't move a whole lot, if at all, because you look at who the teams are that lost behind them, and basically everybody did. I think 12 of the teams in the top 25 guys lost. So, do not be surprised if the Gamecocks drop barely at all, if 
Not at all. I think you might be surprised. Uh, all right, let's get into your questions on Instagram, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Ecart08, Lenora Sellers should be QB2. Uh, Aqua Raptor Andy says, Lenora Sellers, my God. Obviously, a lot of Lenora Sellers reactions. Snelly1226 says, Sellers the real deal. Can't wait to see him develop. Yeah, I, I think the only reason why Lenora Sellers would not be a big-time quarterback at South Carolina, or at least, at least a quality SEC quarterback, the only thing that could stop him is if he's not developed because he's got the skill set. He's got the raw talent, right? It'll be a lack of development on the coaching side of things. That's the only thing that I think could hold him back, and I don't see that happening. So, uh, Mason Small 9, how did Rattler look in the spring game? You know, I thought he was fine. I thought he was solid. He looked calm, comfortable, crisp. Did he miss some throws? Sure. But like I mentioned, I, I think that more so goes back to – you know, the lack of chemistry with some of these new pieces. And, you know, he's got a makeshift O-line up there protecting him and what have you. But I I, I, I think nothing to be concerned about with Spencer Rattler coming out the spring game. I'll just say that. JM Jenkins 03 says, how often do you see DK running the Wildcat with Dowell Loggins? You know, I think a decent amount. I think it's one of those things where you have to pick and choose your spots and be strategic. But I do think they're going to use the carry-on joiner. I think the carry-on joiner is going to get the football I, I think he's going to get an opportunity to help this football team. I, I'll just say that. Uh, Trent Coker, Sellers is going to ball out this year. I mean, I hope he gets some opportunity to play, right? He can play in four games, still get his red shirt. I know we all love to see it. D1 trade and on says, what do you think needs to improve? You know, again, running back edge, getting guys in the portal that can help, you know, running the football, stopping the run. I mean, those are the biggest things to improve. Find a wide receiver too, like a second proven option at the wide receiver position, you know, if you're talking going in the season, I mean, there's a number of things we'll get into, but finding running back and edge help out of the portal. Those should be, in my opinion, the top two priorities. Uh, last comment, Wyatt McCluskey says 51,000. Whoa, Nelly. Yeah, Gamecock Nation, man. Never doubt Gamecock Nation and the power they have and and showing up and showing out and getting in stadium and uh, this fan base, man. You could argue the best fans in all of not just college football, but college sports as well. Kudos to you all that were at williams Bryce Stadium on Saturday night. You made a difference for sure. Guys, that being said, hey, that's going to do it off me. Great show today. And looking forward to a great week. Uh, podcast, of course, the next one will drop Thursday. TDC, though, all week long. Monday through Friday, noon to 2. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Cannot wait to continue the conversation. Break everything down, guys, all week long. Again, thank you all so much for the continued love and support. And one last thing, by the way, guys, the love that we get on game day, I was getting so many texts from so many different people. Dude, the merchandise is everywhere. Beamer Ball, Beamer Rattler. I'm seeing the TSUS merch all over the place. Truly, guys, again, thank you all so much. I mean, it just it, it just means the world. I, I'm just so grateful and thankful from the bottom of my heart that that what we've built and what we continue to build and the journey that we're on and and the love and the support that we felt at e- the, that we feel at each and every single turn is I, I feel blessed beyond measure and and I'm truly genuinely happy and and it's and it's and I'm just so grateful we have the opportunity to 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 push so much value into the Gamecock community through content through merchandise through through events some so, through so many different channels and that we feel the love from you guys along the way, and you guys push us and keep us going, and TSUS would not be what it is and what it's becoming without your love and support. So again, guys, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday, and we will talk to you all on Thursday. Thursday.